And there we go. It is episode 62 of Stick to Hockey Live. Jason Martinez, Anthony DeMarco is an off-season edition of Stick to Hockey Live. Wow, it feels weird that it's the off-season, doesn't it, for the Flyers? Yeah, especially after the playoffs last night. Pretty eventful night. You have oh, Alex Lyon making his playoff debut. You have uh, Edmonton blowing a two-goal lead with less than two minutes to go. It's... um. Yeah, it's uh, pretty weird that you have the Flyers where they are at, dealing with their search for the president of hockey ops. And then on the other side of the coin, you have half the league playing for the richest prize, in my opinion, that professional sports has to offer. So, yeah, a very different spot where the Flyers are in right now compared to some of the other teams. Yeah, as their season ends, the best part of the season began. The first round is so unbelievable. You know, Edmonton being Edmonton not hanging on to that lead, losing in overtime. And that series last year between L.A. and Edmonton was a bloodbath. And I wouldn't be surprised if L.A. got through them. I really wouldn't um, because I don't trust Edmonton's goaltending, and I don't know that they're built for playoff hockey. We'll see. I mean, Edmonton, even though losing game one, I think is still the favorite. But And then you look at what's going to happen tonight. You got staggered starts, finally, NHL, thank you. And you've got Toronto – as a huge favorite at home against Tampa. And then you've got, you know, Colorado taking on the first time in the playoffs, cracking in year two. You've got New Jersey and the Rangers tonight, which is an outrageous, you know, series as well, just from the geographical standpoint. You got great games tonight. And I, I didn't even talk about where I think, you know, I think the one seed's going to get upset tonight in Vegas because I think Winnipeg's going to win game one. Yeah, that, that's a series that I don't like either team, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's just I wanted to go with Winnipeg because of the goaltending, but yeah, there's yeah. something up there. There's like kind of like a rotten feeling up in Winnipeg. You know, they've had that core together for so long, and it feels like maybe something's finally going to come to a head this summer. But then on the other side, I think it's Laurent Brassois who's going for the for the Vegas Golden Knights. They had know him really, pretty well. Yeah, he's been doing pretty well. <laughs> Um, and you know, it's Jackal's first ever playoff game this year. Uh, so yep. that we're tonight rather. So that's going to be pretty cool to see. I think that Vegas comes out of this series eventually, just because I don't think that from almost like an intangible point of view, I don't think that there is much, um, that Winnipeg has going for them right now. They have the talent. They have one of the best forward groups in the NHL. You can make the case for, but it just feels like something's missing. And even with a guy like Connor Hullabuck in the crease, I just feel like eventually Vegas will come out. But again, I'm not super confident in saying that either. Yeah. You know, the thing is too, like Toronto, that series, like they got to, they have to end that in six. If Toronto is going to win, if they go to seven, I think the lump in their throat gets too big. The pressure gets too high and you got Vasilevsky in a game seven. Yeah. And I'll take Tampa in that game seven with Vassy every single time. Oh, yeah, 100%. I I predicted Toronto in six. I just, I feel like this is the year. I know that we've been saying that for, what, four or five years now. But you look at at the additions that Kyle Dubas made. I do think he did go work at the deadline. I actually do like Ilya Samsonov. A bit banged up going into the series, but I think he's had a really good year in Toronto, kind of like a show-me year. You brought in some proven winners and guys like Ryan O'Reilly, and Nola Chari, even though Achari is more on the depth side of your roster. But I, I just look at Tampa's side of things too. 
And I think McDonough not being there is a huge, you know, subtraction from their team. Jan Ruda not being there. You have uh, some young guys playing heavy roles for them. And I think his name is Perbix on the back end. He's played a lot with mm-hmm. Victor Hedman. Hedman hasn't had the greatest of years. You look at their forward group, it doesn't look as deep as years past. I even think Tanner Janot is pretty banged up going to the playoffs, which was their big free their big trade deadline acquisition. So it feels like the stars are aligning for Toronto, but you could never say never with them because of their history. Yeah, it, it, it'll be fascinating tonight once again. And this whole first round, I think, is just it's so much fun. Like you just never know what's gonna happen. And half the, the field just gets whacked in half and so many good teams go home um in within two weeks. It's it's crazy. So um, you know, one of the things too, Ant, you know, with with the playoffs starting and one of the things we heard from exit day quite a bit from the players uh, for for the Flyers was that they're not that far off. You know, they hear the term rebuild. And I talked to 16 of the players on Friday. And one thing that they all consistently said was, and, and maybe this is just the player mentality is, I don't think we're that far off. You know, this we, it doesn't feel like we're as far away as people think, you know, this three to five year rebuild they hear rebuild and i think that scares players but they can't go into a a mentality of off-season training for season thinking well the games next year won't matter so i think that that's a little bit of just human nature them saying that but they clearly need to upgrade in a lot of areas and i know that a lot of the young players stepped up and that was cited quite a bit by everybody from couturier and atkinson to carter hart and, and everybody else but they still need more Yeah, no, they do. And, you know, I I would not expect anything less from the players. And I'll kind of sit here and I'll say like, oh, yeah, we're 10 years away or what? Obviously, I'm exaggerating, but players are going to bet on themselves. And a lot of these guys individually and Torts alluded to it yesterday. The younger guys did take major strides this year. Like you look at Owen Tippett, you look at Noah Cates, you look at Morgan Frost, you look at Carter Hart. I know that he's proved in the past, but that's a major bounce back here, winning the team MVP. You look at some of the defensemen, Cam York specifically, like I think that there are a lot of reasons why those kids would be saying that. And it's not hot air. Like they probably do feel that way, but you are still missing some major, major pieces. And, you know, going in next year, Tortorella kind of brought it up. There's kind of like an uncertainty as to what that defense could look like. Like it seems like Ivan Provorov is a big time favorite to get moved. I know that they're not going to, give him away from pennies on the dollar. I don't think he's a guy that they feel like they have to get out absolutely, but he's definitely a name that they're going to listen on. And I feel like Ivan Provorov would welcome a change as well. You look at a guy like Travis Sanheim, maybe the, the contract prohibits you from moving on from him, but we know that he struggled mightily this year. To me, like everyone is kind of up for grabs aside from a guy like Cam York and I mean, maybe risk a line in too, just because of the role he plays. And if you're moving him, don't you have to go out and get the exact same type of guy? Not to say he's untouchable, but I, I don't think he's a guy that you could easily move on from because of the cost for replacement. And hell, whoever that replacement would be, right shot defensemen are hard to come by. But I, I do think that there's reasons for optimism. But to your point, they really do need a lot of uh, heavy lifting here going forward. Yeah, and and look, we'll see what happens on May 8th. Uh, for the NHL draft lottery, it's going to be obviously a huge night. 
I know Freach said on 32 Thoughts that if there's any team that could really use Connor Bedard and some luck in the lottery, it's the Flyers. And the Flyers have never won the lottery. Um, so they, they're due, but they have a 6.5% chance. I guess, what is it, 135 or 14% chance to land a top two pick. But, you know, the, the odds aren't great, but you never know. But, I mean, geez, Connor Bedard can't end up in Anaheim, can he? I mean, that's not good for the league. I mean, the, the best can, team but probably, I mean, like what's the last superstar generational player that went out West, like right out of the gate, like Dowdy, like, uh, and it was, yeah. I, I, I don't know if you would call him generational. I mean, the only generational players I, I have are McDavid. Uh, I don't even have Matthews as as generational. He's a superstar, but McDavid is generational. Crosby, Ovechkin, you know, that I think we throw around that term generational too easily sometimes. Yeah, no, for sure. And even some people have said, I believe you had Craig Button on the show. And I think originally he said that he didn't think Bedard was generational, but now he puts him in that generational category yeah. just because of how good he is. And I mean, he's generational. <laughs> I, I think he's generational too. I guess like if you're looking at from a, from a NHL perspective, the best landing spot would probably be the Blackhawks. Just you know, original six, all the negative attention that has been lurking around that team for the last 18 months or so, how in the dumpster they are. They've officially moved on from Taze and Kane. Like, I think that would be something that would really help the league. But at the same time, like Fridge said, I think that the Flyers could really use for a player like that. And forget generational. When's the last time the Flyers had a guy who would be like a top tier talent for numerous years. Like I think Claude Giroux. Lindros. Yeah. Lindros. That's exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I was going to go through Giroux briefly Forsberg for a cup of coffee, Briere in the playoffs maybe, but it's basically Lindros. Lindros was the last. And I think this is way before my time, but he was a face of the league at one point in the nineties. I think that's fair to say one of the better best player on the planet for three years. Exactly. And I think that the Flyers have not had that even in the homegrown era or during the homegrown era where they were one of the better teams in the league and certainly in the Eastern Conference for that six, seven year stretch or whatever it was. They never had one of the best players in the league like Richards wasn't that Briere wasn't that Gagne wasn't that even Carter, yeah, Carter wasn't. But they just have a bunch of really good players. But it's been a long, long time since you had that league-wide marketable star. And I think that Bedard would certainly check that box. And the NHL yeah. is for sure aware of it. And and to have them on the East Coast, you know, there, there is an East Coast bias. You know, when you have players in in later time zones, whether it's Central or West, it's the eyes of the East coast aren't on them as much. It's just the fact of the matter, you know, Connor McDavid basically being in Siberia does not help the NHL a whole heck of a lot. It just doesn't. His games are at 10 o'clock at night, East coast time. And you know, the East coast people don't see him enough. You know, you want him in this metropolitan area of the Northeast corridor where you've got, you know, many visits to New York with multiple teams in, in New Jersey and Pittsburgh and Carolina and Boston, you, that's that's where they can get the most from them, you know. So I don't know. In prime time I, too, I mean, it's prime. Yeah, time. yeah. I mean, it, it'd be so beneficial to have them here, but you know, we'll see how the lottery ball plays out. I don't, I don't believe that the NHL would ever dare fix it because 
there's so much to lose if you did and it ever got found out you know so because you, you lose the entire trust of your fan base you lose the integrity of what you're doing you're trying to control who's good and who's not like i mean i i think a lot of that has that speculation has maybe gone out the window when you see teams like New Jersey get number one or Buffalo multiple. get number one, multiple. Yeah. Like, I mean, the last time a Western Conference team picked number one, it was, when was Probably it? Edmonton. Yeah, I guess it was Edmonton back in 2015. Because since yeah. then, you've had Toronto, you've had New Jersey, you've had Buffalo, you've had Jersey again the Rangers, Buffalo again, and Montreal last year. So, I mean, in a year where so many Western Conference teams were bottom dwellers, like, yeah, you had Columbus and Montreal and to a bit lesser extent, the Flyers of the East. But you look at West where you have San Jose, Vancouver, who turned it on near the end of the, near the, end of the year, Arizona, Anaheim. Like, there was a lot of teams, I would argue, that need it more out there than any of the, the the Eastern teams because Montreal got the first overall pick last year. Columbus has a couple really good kids coming, specifically David Yurchek. The Flyers, they need him a lot, but at least you have a guy like Gauthier. You have some young kids already on your roster. You look at some of these teams out West and specifically Anaheim and, and San Jose. I think San Jose, from a pure hockey perspective, probably needs him the most. Would you not say? Yeah, they do. Well, I mean, Anaheim does. Too. I mean, they have Zegras and they have some Perry, players, but McTavish. they don't. Yeah, and they, yeah, Mason McTavish. So, yeah, San Jose probably does because of what they also traded away. And I think yeah. that they're going to do everything they can to trade Carlson this year, too. But, you know, San Jose starts their games at 1030 at the Shark Tank. That is no good for the league. <laughs> it's no good. I don't know. Are they like an extra half hour behind? Like, is it, everyone else three hours behind and they're like three and a half? I've never understood I that. I, I never understood it either. And if I was commissioner of the league, I'd make it a rule that if you're playing an East Coast team, you cannot start your games at 1030. If it's a weekend, you can't start later than nine. And if it's a local time and if it's a weekend, a weeknight game, you can't start any later than 10. You can't start at 1030. It's well, just so it's just too fucking late. Well, it's so funny up here in Canada, like for the Canada for the Saturday Hockey Night in Canada games, it happens I I believe once a year where uh, Toronto goes out to Vancouver and plays them on a Saturday night, and the Vancouver fans get so pissed off because they start the game at seven East and four PM Western time. But it's like, what do you want? You know, those that's, that's a very it's a marketable game across the country and obviously hockey Night in canada it's this big historic event weekly here in, in canada in a lot of ways but you can have like your biggest primetime game going on at 10 p.m and look i'm the kind of guy more when i was a teenager where i would really like to stay up and watch those late games but look man i'm i'm 28 years old and i'm even getting exhausted from it now yeah yeah um drago 629 messages in and says Danny seemed to say all the right things yesterday, yeah, asking for patience, but I'm always excited for a new season. Is there a free chance they can inch even closer to a playoff spot in 24? He says, I say yes, basically. Uh, I don't know. I, I have no idea what's going to happen this offseason. I know everybody wants to put a timeline on this, and I refuse to. I'm not, I don't know what's going to happen this offseason. If you tell me that they're going to win the lottery and get one or two, then, I, then the timeline changes. The timeline will constantly change. 
And I think Danny put it best yesterday um, and when he said the players will determine the timeline. It's not yeah. going to be him giving some innocuous number, two years, three years, five years, whatever, but the players and their development and how things come together will ultimately determine any kind of timeline on this rebuild. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, I always equate it to what happened in Toronto because it was so similar where you, you make a cha- the change at the very top of the organization by bringing in Brendan Shanahan over Brian Burke. You bring in a big name head coach with carte blanche, Babcock, Tortorella here, and both coaches pretty much saying, and obviously I'm paraphrasing here, that there's going to be pain coming. But you look at Toronto, they had pain for one year under Babcock. They bottomed out. They got Matthews. Next year, they're in the playoffs. So... I mean, they already had Marner, they already had Nylander, they already had Morgan Riley. At that time, you had Kadri and Bozak and JVR in his prime. So it's not apples to apples. But, you know, if the Flyers get Connor Bedard, if they get Adam Fantilli, and one of those two guys show up next year and play at the level of Austin Matthews, and you have Tippett here, you have Frost here, you had maybe Forster take a step, Cam York, all these guys. Couturier returns. Katoria returns like it's not out of the realm of possibility but like Danny said it depends on the players and what players you're getting like if the Flyers end up picking number six this year and they take Benson or they pick number nine and take Reinbacher the defenseman which I was told by a scout today defensemen always seem to go higher so I couldn't wouldn't completely rule out the Flyers taking Reinbacher if they're in that seven to nine range then maybe probably not because then you are missing that high-end talent. You're missing that stud number one center. But, you know, there's a lot of kids here that took big steps. Like, you look at Noah Cates, the way that he played defense. Like, I was looking at some analytics. Like, he was among the best players analytically this year, defensive forwards-wise. Like, from a defense perspective analytically, he was one of the better forwards. In, in yeah, the one, of the, one of those analytics sites had him, win at, by their measurables, being the Selkie winner. Yeah, yeah, no, he he was insane. Like I think it was Jay Fresh Hockey had his yeah. defensive analytics percentile at like 99. He was in the 99th percentile, like just completely out of this world. And especially impressive considering the fact that he was playing as a center for the first time in his career, based on my knowledge. I think he'd always been a left wing. So you look at what guys like maybe Den Yay, Forster, Brink, um, Adder, if they could take that next step forward. And then you're going to look to see if guys like Tippett and Frost and is that a flash in the pan for them? Will Wade Allison come back? How good is Katori is going to be? So I agree. It's going to be on the players. But I think to answer Drago's question, it starts with who they get in the lottery and then everything else will come afterwards. Yeah. I mean, I just ran the, the, the draft lottery simulator and the second spin I got Flyers 1, Detroit 2. Anaheim, Columbus, Chicago, five, San Jose, Montreal, Arizona, Washington, St. Louis, top 10 right there. So, I mean, it's weird. I ran it on my phone earlier, and the first two times were the Flyers number one first. I'm like, what? That's the the algorithm. That's the algorithm talking. (laughs) It's the geographical algorithm. (laughs) It's coming into play. That's Um, it. What did you think of what Tort said yesterday? Because I thought he was on his game again, and – you know, not pulling any punches. He really went in on the accountability factor. He said, my definition of accountability um, doesn't mesh with, with a lot of players' definition of accountability. 
I, I think there I think where the rub is for Torts is is yeah, we're accountable as a team, but it's them, not me, sometimes is the issue that he has with individual players. You know, it's weird. I think it was about two weeks ago. I, I met up with a, an executive from another team uh, here in Montreal, and we chatted for about 15 minutes, and he had previously worked with Torts with another team. Obviously, I'm not going to say which team, but I was talking about him, and he said, you know, the first time I met him, I came down to, to, to the coach's room, and I was talking to some of the players, and I was scared the hell out of him, even as a fellow executive. Like, he intimidated me. But you get to know him and you realize how good of a guy he is on a personal level. And he said, for me, it's simple. If you don't like honesty, you're not going to like John Tortorella. And I think we saw that yesterday, is that this is a guy that, for right or for wrong, has zero filter. And he really tells the media more than most coaches would, which isn't a bad thing. He doesn't go into names. He doesn't drag players through the mud. Um, publicly, I would say actually on the contrary, he does that, but he's a guy that I think gets right in your face and doesn't pull punches. And he said as much yesterday that if he's going to call you out, he's going to call you out in front of everybody and that it has to be a team wide accountability thing. And look, I don't think it's a, um, uh, a huge mystery. Some of the players he was talking about case in point, Kevin Hayes, I think Kevin Hayes yep. is one of those guys that needs to move on. Tony D'Angelo, I mean, I'm, I'm not really sure. I think there's an element that Torts probably respects about Tony. Um, you know, I was told last week that when he was sitting out, it was about t- Tony being a better teammate and a better player. And more as a, a lot of people thought that it was an issue between Torts and Tony. And I still have a, a feeling that maybe something happened between them. But I think it was more about the way that they view Tony with the rest of the team. Like Torch said, it's not about him. It's about the rest of the team. And maybe there are some other guys. Like, I wonder about a guy like Wade Allison. Like, where does he fall into this? Like, Danny brought it up unsolicited yesterday about how they're loaded at right wing. Like, maybe that's a guy that is a victim of that. You know, uh, to a lesser extent, Tanner Lazinski. You know, Ivan Provorov. Like, Torch said one thing that made me think of Provorov right away. And he said, you know, there's some guys here that would be fits if we were at a different spot organizationally. And that to me screamed Provorov because I think that Torts really admires Provorov. That's what I've heard. I've heard that he really admires his work ethic, the way he comes to, and he's a gamer. He's in great condition. And, you know, his utilization of the defense is indicative as well that he really does lean a lot on Ivan Provorov. But I think he also acknowledges that for the player and where this team is at, Provorov is the guy that probably has to move on. Um, so, I mean, he's really honest here. And like uh, the league executive told me two weeks ago, that's something that maybe a lot of players have a tough time dealing with. Yeah, it's something some players just aren't wired to be able to handle it. They're just not. And especially with in today's athletes, you know, they're different than they were back in the day. And coach holds the hammer because he holds the playing time. But, you know, to to, to to really be able to handle that, you've got to be a guy that is really comfortable in your own skin too. You know, I, I don't know how the dynamic plays out, but one thing Torts told me when I spoke with him yesterday, because I sat down with him for, we, we talked for 20 minutes yesterday. And the one thing he does all his film and everything in the group setting, because he's not coaching one guy, he's coaching everybody at the same time. 
where he may be pointing out the mistakes of one guy or the right plays of one guy, but it applies to everyone. So you're coaching the group, but sometimes when a player gets called out in the group setting, they can't handle it. And that's, you know, that's, it is what it is. You know, you got to have thick skin when you have towards as a coach, you just have to. Yeah. And I mean, especially where the Flyers are at organizationally, right? Like where they're at right now, there can't be a worry about having your feelings hurt because nobody's really earned it. And, and that's unfortunate to say that maybe individually, some guys have more leeway than others. Um, you know, even a guy like Kevin Hayes, like I personally don't think that he deserves close to the vitriol that a lot of the fans show him. I think if you look at the contract when it was signed, it was par for the course. I think that you bring him in to be a second line 50 point player. He's pretty much done that. But, you know, Torts has come in, clearly zeroed in on Hayes, and it's not working. And, you know, it is what it is. But you, even though Hayes has maybe done what he had to do in a vacuum, the overarching goal is that the team failed and Hayes was a big part of it. Whether it's yeah. fair or not, Hayes was a prominent face during an era where the team overly failed. And look, I just, I, I, it's tough for, I think, a lot of people to realize that, like, behind the scenes, there has to be a lot of honesty because most coaches are very, I guess, uh, reserved when it comes to the press releases and dealing with the media. But Tortorella has let you kind of peek behind the curtain a bit, which has kind of been refreshing for a lot of people that have been preaching and begging for honesty for quite some time. Did, did you get a sense from Hayes speaking that he not only knows his time is up, but he knows there's basically a deal in place? And I'll find out about it at the draft, as he said. To me, it really felt like he knows there's a deal there. And I know the 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 conjecture is that it's Columbus and that he's going yeah. there and there's, there's basically a deal. I just got the feeling that he knows he's not here. He knows where he's going. Yeah. So like, obviously Columbus is a low hanging fruit. I was told that there were talks with Columbus, but Chuck kept it pretty tight to the vest in terms of what it was. They do like him as a player, but let's be honest. uh, Columbus has to be real about where they're at as an organization. And they can't just bring Kevin Hayes just because he's buddies with Johnny Gaudreau and Rick Nash off the ice. But I do think Kevin Hayes is a guy who makes sense for that organization at the right price. Now, what is that price? We've heard for a long time in that 33% range in terms of salary retained. Um, But, you know, I've also heard whispers that the Flyers may eat close to half of it. I have heard that they want to do right by Kevin Hayes, which is admirable, right? I, I don't think it's Kevin Hayes's fault that the team has gone where they are. I think there was a lot of issues other than Hayes that went on here over the last three and a half, four years. But at the same time, he's a guy that doesn't fit here anymore in any capacity, specifically under John Tortorella. So I think, pardon me, it is going to be Columbus when all is said and done. At this point, I think it's just about Danny trying to pick up the conversations where it was left off between the Jackets and Chuck. Yeah. Um, what are you hearing on president of hockey operations? You know, Ray Shiro's name is still out there quite a bit. Um, Scott Mellenby is a guy that I think that they're very interested in as well. Makes sense. He's got a, got a lot of experience in the front office, Montreal most recently. I guess he's with St. Louis right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, what, what are you hearing about the uh, president of hockey operations? 
So I have a story that I submitted earlier today, still not posted up, that'll cover this, but I'll kind of summarize it, is that uh, Ray Shiro still is their guy, but it does feel like he wants to get back in a GM chair. Um, it feels he to be like the decision maker. Exactly. You know, president of hockey ups, you're not kind of in the weeds and doing the day-to-day stuff. And look, the Flyers, we know that Briere's your next GM, Tortorella is your coach for the foreseeable future. And Danny's going to have a lot of final say on hockey operations department. So I don't think Shiro is going to be interested in this. I mean, I can't say with 100% certainty, Comcast is keeping this stuff very tight to the vest. But I've heard that, you know, I, I do believe the Flyers have reached out. Um, I can't say with 100% certainty, but I've gotten that sense based on those I've spoken to. I just don't know if Ray Shiro wants to this particular role because he wants a GM role. And with Calgary's position opening up, I wouldn't be shocked there. I know they started interviews this morning. There was a name that I was told that I haven't got 100% confirmation with that I can release yet. Um, But I'm told that they had their first interview this morning. Uh, Mellonby is a name that I agree with you. I think that's the new favorite for the position. If in fact, Ray Shiro isn't in, isn't interested. I think he's a guy that has loads of experience going back to Montreal where he served under Mark Bergevin. And then the other name I heard whispers of over the weekend was Cami Granado, who's currently an assistant GM with Vancouver Canucks. Um, previously a scout with the Seattle Kraken, obviously comes from a very storied and uh, educated hockey family. Her brother, uh, is coaching the Buffalo Sabres. Her other brother, Tony Granato, used to be the assistant with Detroit and Pittsburgh. I think now he's in the NCAA, if I'm not mistaken. And obviously, she's the wife of a longtime NHLer and ESPN analyst, Ray Ferraro. So I think that I, I'm not sure if she accepted the interview. Obviously, I know, I think she's from Vancouver, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe she's comfy where she is. But, uh, and I have heard that there's another um, female that they are going to interview for the position. Um, again, I'm not, I can't release the name yet, but, uh, yeah, it seems like they started today and they have at least three interviews lined up for this week. Well, um, yeah, we'll see how this plays out I, you know, you wonder if it's going to take a while, if they're waiting on somebody that is unavailable to be able to be spoken to just yet. We'll see how that plays out. Um, but just make the right decision. It's gotta be the right yeah, decision. No, it has to, it has to make sure it if right it's it from a cultural standpoint for sure but if he if he wants to be the gm you don't want two guys that both want to be the gm kind of doing this can't can't move forward like that you know one guy has to have the hammer has to have the accountability of the position speaking of accountability awesome and great stuff man um it's the off season enjoy the playoffs tonight man we'll crank her up next week yeah man take it easy enjoy tonight all right, there he is, Anthony DeMarco. Give him a follow on Twitter at ADeMarco25. And uh, make sure you also read his work on thefourthperiod.com. You can get all his great stuff there as well. Right now, though, it's the playoffs, which means we need to do a little something called Tone's Takes. All right, it is a brand new edition of Stick to Hockey Live and a brand new edition of Tone's Takes. It is a playoff edition, and he joins us right now. What's going on, Tone? Hey, Jason. How you doing? Doing good, man. What would you think of night one? A couple OTs. Uh, 
Yeah, a couple a uh, couple of teas last night. I uh that Edmonton game, man. They started off hot and then the Kings came right back. I had the under in that game. They just took that away from me with that late goal, but uh, <laughs> that's going to be a fun back and forth series and well surprised by Minnesota too. I thought once Dallas went up 2-1, I thought they'd be able to to handle business, but I just, you know, Ottinger played good, but, you know, Minnesota stuck with it. Yeah, Minnesota's gotten really good goaltending this year, too. They that's, have. That's they have. Big. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, last year, L.A. and Edmonton was like a bloodbath. And that, mm-hmm. that series is going to be fascinating. I, I don't know that Edmonton gets through it, but let's look at the card tonight because uh, another fascinating night. I mean, the first round is so much fun. And yeah. you've got some really good series and good matchups here. And I mean, Rangers, Devils, Lightning, Leafs, and Leafs a huge favorite. Now, Winnipeg is in Vegas, and Vegas the number one seed. I kind of like Winnipeg to win the game tonight, by the way. Uh, Kraken yeah. and Avalanche tonight. But let's start. Let's start with that Toronto game because that's the hockey center of the hockey universe. You know, when you look at that game tonight, I know you got a first period play here. You looking for Toronto to get off to a, a quick jump in the game? Yeah, first period plus 160. You know, it's uh, this is a do or die for Toronto. Uh, I don't know who's going to win this series. If I, you know, had to make a pick, I'd put it my my predictions out on Twitter the other day. I do have Toronto in seven. Uh, I'm not betting <laughs> that outcome, but uh, I think they can get off to a, to a fast start here. Tampa Bay has struggled on the road uh, all season long, and they were under 500. Um, it's a big statement game for the Leafs here to at least get off to you know a one nothing lead i can see in the first period and a plus 160 this is you know i love this price so i'm looking looking for a big game for toronto i think they're going to win the game tonight but i'm really laying that juice on them so um go with the first period it's odd because i like toronto in the series if it doesn't go seven if it mm. goes seven then I, I i think that they that's when they get that's the big true. lump in their throat and that's where vasilevsky you know how he is in those game sevens. Oh, yeah. He's um yep. in, in those situations just been so yeah, good true well, if Toronto's going to, you know, get off to a good start, and if Toronto's going to be a team that really can get after, you know, a team like the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, two-time cup champ, went to the final last year and lost to Colorado, Matthews has got to be the catalyst. You know, he didn't have the same year this year that he had the year prior when he was a heart winner, uh, but he's got to be a catalyst, which means he's got to do one thing, shoot the biscuit. Yep. I'm going to take him over four and a half shots on goal, plus 108. He had 14 shots in the, his two games against Tampa this year. He missed one of them. Uh, Bolts allow 32.5 shots per game uh, on the road. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking for a big statement game from Matthews. It's, again, it's, it's make or break. It's do or die for them and this him and this team, I think. So, at least uh, I think they're going to start off quick. Yeah, I mean, if Dubas could score a goal. You'd think he would too. Yeah. <laughs> he did that too in a big way. Um, let's head to New Jersey where they're hosting the Rangers. And this is such a great geographical matchup and a great hockey matchup too. You know, one team has got this goaltender in Igor Shosturkin who was all world last year. And, you know, like Matthews, he has just not been as dominant last mm-hmm. uh, this year as he was. And when it comes to the Devils for me is, are they going to be able to get the goaltending? Yep. So naturally, you're in agreement with me here. You're liking the over in this game. 
Yeah, I like the over. It slipped down to five and a half. I think it opened at six and a half, but mm-hmm. I don't care where their line's going. At five and a half at this price, three of the four meetings went over. With the three overs, there was uh, eight goals, seven goals, and seven goals scored. Uh, I don't think the Devils have the goaltending. I do think the Rangers are going to win the series. I like the Devils to win tonight, but I'm just going to go with the, with the over just to just as a safer safer play. Both these teams love to to run and gun, and you know I think it's going to be a wide open fun series with, between these two. Wow, so you have New Jersey winning game one but losing the series. Yeah, I, I like them to win just for the emotional standpoint. You know, not yeah. being in the playoffs. I kind of I don't want to I don't want to bet against them. Thought about taking the Rangers, but for that aspect, I'm going to hope that Devils win tonight and then go back with the Rangers in game two to respond. So. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because the Devils last season finished with 63 standings points. And then this year, I mean, they just jump up into a hole, the Pantheon. It, you know, teams like the Flyers last year who finished with 61 points, two behind, you know, they're not going to make that jump because they don't. They didn't have Heischer. They didn't have Jack Hughes, who right. just jumped into an all-world uh, form. Uh, he was good before, but now he's disgusting. Let's go to the uh, Cup champs because Colorado is in action tonight. And, uh, you know, they're a team that's going to take on the Seattle Kraken in year two who gets into the playoffs. This could feel like, you know, borrowed money for Seattle and a lot of pressure not on them because they're facing, you know, an an Avalanche team that won the Cup last year, although without Landeskog now. Uh, But uh, the Avalanche, you got some sides on this you like that you have on Dimers? Yeah, I have a Dimers play out for this. I'm going with the Colorado team total over three and a half tonight. I just I'm going to keep fading Seattle. Uh, Seattle's goaltending. I've been doing it all year against good teams. Although they did hold Colorado in check all season. Um, but I, I think the, the Avs offense is rolling towards the end of the year. So I'm going to go with that team total overplay tonight. And then for the series, I took Colorado minus two and a half games at plus 180. I think they're going to sweep them, to be honest with you. But um, I'm going to go with that two and a half games. Maybe Seattle will get one of the ones at home, maybe game three or four. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, too. You you look at Seattle and, yeah, there may not be pressure because they're facing the Cup champs in their first ever playoff series in year two. But you do yeah. have still what Vegas did in year one. That's a little bit of <laughs> a, a slight comparable. Uh, yeah. So people can get your stuff on dimers.com, Tone. Yep, Dimers.com and then uh, Twitter or Daily Plays. Yep, at Tones Takes on Twitter as well. So some great yep. plays tonight. Let's recap them real quick. Here we go. Toronto, first period, minus a half a goal at plus 160. Oh, value that personified. Matthews over four and a half shots on goal at plus 108. The Ranger Devils game over five and a half at minus 115. And then, as you said, your play on Colorado as well, minus two and a half. So. Uh, we'll see if it all plays out, and we will talk to you, man. Enjoy the playoffs, Tone. Thanks, man. Best time of the year as a hockey fan, whether oh, Flyers are there or not. I still, I still love it. You know, yeah. And I miss round. it. I miss it, but I still, I'm still, I'm still invested in it. So, yeah, no doubt. Thanks for doing <laughs> this, Tone. All right, thanks, Jason. Appreciate you having me. There he is. Tone's takes another edition as uh, night two of the Stanley Cup playoffs first round continues tonight. And we've got some great, great games tonight. I mean, Rangers, Rangers, Devils at seven. How about the staggered start time, too? Lightning, Leafs, Jets in Vegas to take on the Gold Men. I like the Winnipeg Jets tonight. That Gold Men, Connor, Hellebuck. And then Seattle in Colorado to take on the Cup of Champs. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Stick to Hockey Live. Everybody, enjoy your Tuesday. We'll talk to you next time on a brand new episode of Stick to Hockey Live.